everyone. I am Carla Jakubovic, hostess of the Swiss Learning Podcast, and thanks for listening. Swiss Learning represents 13 prestigious schools in Switzerland, and they're experts at finding the right fit for each student. On this podcast, we will showcase alumni from each one of these schools to share their success stories and insights with you. Today, we're welcoming Tatiana Sharp, an alumna from Collège Alpin Beausoleil in Villars. Tatiana, welcome. I'm so happy to have you with us. Thank you so much. It is a, it's a joy and I'm, I'm honored to be able to speak to you today. That's wonderful. Tatiana, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Definitely. So my name is Tatiana Sharp. I am 24 years old. I was born and raised in Zimbabwe before moving over to Beausoleil for high school. I'm a bit of an interesting mix. I'm half Zimbabwe and half Ukrainian, so you don't get a lot of us around in the world. And I'm an entrepreneur. That's awesome. Uh, Tatiana, every year, so many incredible students graduate from our schools. So choosing just one to be interviewed can be a tricky process. And how your name came about was that you weren't a student who immediately fell in love with the school and with boarding life. Yours was a story about resilience. How did you end up at a boarding school in Switzerland? Tell us about your experience. Sure. So this is a, a very uh, personal experience. As I, as I mentioned, I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. And, uh, you know, I went to a traditional, obviously Zimbabwe was a British colony before it got its independence. So I went to a traditional British type uh, curricula, all girls school. It was a day school. And I had, I was a professional ballroom dancer at that time. So in 2010, I had participated in the world championships in, in Blackpool. And, uh, you know, my routine was sleep, breakfast, you know, school, and then train seven hours every single day. Wow. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, before I moved to Beausoleil, my dancing partner at that time died in a car accident. Um, and it, it was a very difficult, it was a very difficult time for me because obviously experiencing loss at such a young age, you know, really shapes you into, into an entirely different person. And of course, having that kind of uh, strict routine and, and, and pressure when it came to dancing, that was my whole life. And uh, my cousin, my mom's twin sister's daughter was living in, in Switzerland. And so my parents really encouraged me to go and uh, experience a summer school in Switzerland before I decided to move over there. Mm -hmm. And it was always a part of the plan. My father had always said to me, I want to give you more than what my father has given me. And so, you know, it was always a part of the plan. Switzerland, we didn't know which school exactly. Um, I actually went to La Rose for the summer camp, but I just completely fell in love with the country and the people and the way things worked and the fact that there were so many different cultures and nationalities. And when I um, was in Switzerland and I came across Beausoleil, I just, I felt like that was the place that I was, I was meant to be. And it was very difficult at first because I had obviously traveled a lot when I was young, but I'd never lived away from family. And it was difficult for me because I was so used to putting all of my time and energy into dancing that I started, you know, realizing, wow, this is, this is totally different. I don't have my family around me. Um, and just, 
I would say I'm quite a free-spirited person. So the routine and the, the strictness, the ability to take responsibility for yourself and um, you know, fall into place with this entire new culture was very difficult at first. But Beausoleil became like a second family to me. And um, it definitely helped me overcome all the difficulties that I'd faced at a young age. And it, it taught me the ability to be resilient, to kind of pick up and move forward. And uh, yeah, I mean, the school's motto is it's what you do that counts. And so I had reinvested all of the time and energy that I spent on dancing into my education, which I, I never had, you know, big ambitions or plans for. So uh, that's a little bit of my story of joining Bosole. What were your favorite activities on campus? On campus, I really, I mean, for me, something that was really cool and unique, obviously coming from Southern Africa, was that skiing was a part of our curriculum. So every every Tuesdays, it, there was like no class. It was ski class. So halfway during the day, we'd go up onto the mountains, we'd separate into our groups with ski instructors, and it was a part of our curriculum. Um, so yeah, I That really is love pretty this. exciting to have that <laughs> on the <laughs> curriculum, right? Not many schools uh, uh, are able to offer that. That's that's great. Um, what was your favorite subject or teacher at Beausoleil? Do you remember? Oh yeah, definitely. I'll never forget. They've There's two teachers in particular. Uh, so my English literature teacher, Alan, and my history teacher, Ms. Dawn. Um, the... <laughs> Alan, so my English literature teacher is probably the most authentic person I have ever met in my life. And he made the class so, so interesting that, I mean, you know, we had our laptops and phones, which was also totally different, uh, you know, in an in a African school, you, we didn't have those opportunities. Sure. And so being in a class where you have the opportunity to go onto Facebook or, you know, scroll on, on your timeline and, and be so absorbed and taken away by what someone is teaching you speaks a lot. So I think uh, the just the value and the high quality level of teaching was incredible. And then Miss Don in history, history was my absolute favorite subject. Um, she really fostered, I think if it wasn't for her, there's a high chance I wouldn't be the person that I am today because through history, I, I learned that first of all, history tends to repeat itself. And, uh, you know, we, we learned so much about what is going on in the world and incorporating it to real uh, everyday experiences through things like MUN, uh, Model United Nations. And so that paved my pathway to learning more about current affairs. And I was so fascinated by history that it obviously, you know, shapes current affairs and international relations. And I was just captivated at the way governments and politics and economics works on an international scale. So that really, that fueled my desire to, to go into the career path that I am currently in. You mentioned just a little bit ago, you know, the struggles that you had to overcome uh, in losing your dancing partner and then into adapting into a new culture. And overcoming struggles at such a young age can be a powerful lesson. What do you think was the most important takeaway from your three years at Beausoleil? 
I think, uh, well, it's really twofold. The first is really resilience. And, you know, Boussoulet taught me that it's what you do that counts. And failure is only a pathway for success. So, you know, failure really refines you. It sharpens you. Uh, And I truly believe that the difference between successful people and people that are not successful is the ability to persevere and to continue. Because the moment that, you know, the day that you choose to give up is the day that you fail. And so Boussoulet really taught me to pick myself up in any situation that I'm Um, failing supposedly in and to either pivot or adapt or to you know find new ways to make it work and that principle has has you know be reconfirmed to me throughout my life even during studying at Stanford University uh, they really teach you that failure is integral to success because without failure you can't learn from your mistakes Um, and you know a lot of the the biggest business leaders in the world today. Jeff Bezos is a brilliant example. At, at uh, He encourages a culture of trying to fail. Um, and a lot of the different pathways, I think it's the marketplace that actually came into being was because it had previously the idea of what it was, had failed. And they'd learned the principles and the reasons of what went wrong in order to correct them and make them right. And, you know, even in science, we learn about experimenting and we treat something as a hypothesis. And the whole point of that is to test it and to iterate on it and to see whether it gives you the result that you want or not. Um, um, and so without without being able to fail, you can't really know which direction to go into. But w- apart from that, as I mentioned, it's twofold. That's that's the first key takeaway that I learned at Boussoulet. Um, and the second is really this fine balance between a practical and theoretical learning environment. You know, so for me, the ability to actually implement what I'm learning in class, whether it be in history, and then go and do MUN and travel to countries like Beijing, Harvard hosted the annual MUN, uh, or Rome, and being able to implement all these different theories and practice is a huge valuable experience. Being able to travel to India and teach maths and history and, you know, geography to uh, kids is just the way you teach, it increases your learning capabilities. And so I think having this balance between a theoretical and, and practical um, environment really propels and, and, and fuels a student to success. And so I think Boussoulet really does a fantastic job in fostering where students are talented and they give them all the resources that they need to be able to grow and and, and continue to develop their talents. So I know that wasn't exactly one key takeaway, but uh, it definitely, I mean, it's excellent. I, I think you're so spot on, especially when you mentioned learning the ability to pivot at such a young age. I feel like that's such a game changer, especially in times like this. In, you mm-hmm. know, COVID, a crisis, having, you know, being able to readapt or reinvent, you know, I know that the, the, the terms have been overused by now, but is absolutely true. And it's really dictating who succeeds and, and who doesn't. And, you know, having that advantage of, you know, being exposed to this environment where you had to learn to adapt to another culture, to a completely new environment, 
And already having done that in the past, you know, it certainly makes it easier when you have to do it again in the future. So I feel that, you know, it really comes in handy, all these lessons that uh, we learn when studying abroad. So I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned them. Now, moving on a little bit to your professional accomplishments, you wrote a book, The Lonely Tiger, at the tender age of eight in order to donate the proceeds to impoverished children in Zimbabwe so they could receive education. How did that idea come about and what are your memories from that experience at such a young age? So, uh, well, growing up in Zimbabwe, being born in Zimbabwe, being exposed to poverty and, and social injustice at a very young age, I, I'm very grateful I have the most incredible parents. Um, and my mom is a solemn humanitarian. So since I was a very young girl, I was brought up in a privileged home but my mother always took me with her to, you know, rural communities, to orphanages, to visit charities. And I started to question why I had, you know, won this life lottery. You know, why was my life so different, especially to the children that we would visit at orphanages? And I would question things like, why do I have three meals a day and these kids don't? Why do I have a family and these kids don't? You know, why do I have access to a loving environment, to clean water, to a roof over my head? And it just really inspired me to make a positive impact in my community. And I recognized at a young age that I was different. And it was almost my responsibility that because I had the opportunity to make a difference, I had to do it. And so I loved, I learned to read and write at a very young age. Um, and I always loved storytelling. So uh, I decided to write a book. It's called The Lonely Tiger. And uh, the, whole, the whole book is about the morals and the values of friendship, forgiveness, being kind. And in my mind at that age, the lonely tiger, I'm an only child. So I think it was me trying to relate to the orphans in some way or another. And they are, you know, very lonely in the sense that they don't have a family, they're entirely alone. And so I wanted to give them this gift to know that in life, you always have a friend and um, friendship is, is, is like the primary, uh, it's the primary thing in the lonely tiger. And so, my, my idea was, okay, I went to my mom and dad and I said, if I write a book, can we give the money to especially Harari Children's Home? This is the orphanage that I, I really loved and visited. And my dad kind of looked at me and he said, well, if you want to write a book, you're going to have to do it on your own. And I was so determined. I went, you know, wrote out on pieces of paper you know, made a hole through all the pieces, tied it with a string, brought it to my dad. And I obviously didn't know the word published, but I said, and I drew all the pictures and I said, okay, dad, can we get this book in like the bookstore so we can sell it? And he was really impressed that I actually went and did what I said I wanted to do. So we, we ended up, uh, all the proceeds that we made from The Lonely Tiger went towards empowering children in Zimbabwe uh, to receive an education. And Nelson Mandela is is one of my heroes in life, uh, I think being from Southern Africa, I always remembered the motto, um, Nelson Mandela said that education is the most powerful weapon that you can use to change the world. And so for me, education was always a, a huge part of, of why I recognized what I had that was different to the, the kids that we saw. And I wanted 
to give them the ability to be empowered to receive an education. Tatiana, I noticed that both of your companies, The Lonely Tiger and Global Impact Network, share a passion for sustainability. The Lonely Tiger creates stories that educate children about the impact of their decisions. And the Global Impact Network is a social network that helps people measure their impact on the environment. Could you mm -hmm. tell us more about how Global Impact Network works and what you're hoping to accomplish there? Sure, definitely. So def my journey towards sustainable development did begin at a very young age. Uh, so the sustainable development goal number four is, is quality education. And back in, in 2016, when I was studying at King's College in London, I was studying international relations. Um, I spoke at the United Nations on the sustainable development goal number 16, which is peace, justice and strong institutions. So for those that are listening, um, back in 2015, all Uh, the United Nations members, the countries that belong, so 197 countries agreed upon a global framework to achieve 17 global goals by 2030. And uh, something that really frustrated me studying international relations, I specialized in international law. And that's actually what I, ended, I wanted to end up doing. I wanted to pursue a master's and a PhD in international law. And this experience at the United Nations, being able to be in an environment with all these stakeholders and trying to apply the theoretical learning in the practical environment, I was extremely frustrated uh, to come to learn that there is this overarching problem of a lack of accountability, transparency and collaboration amongst all stakeholders in achieving the sustainable development goals. So whether that be governments or businesses or schools or individual citizens, uh, you know, the, it really frustrated me that I would go online and I wouldn't be able to see how progress was being done. And obviously if we don't know where progress is being made, we don't know where action is required. We don't know where to invest into, you know, work or bring value um, and, and to improve. And so, The concept of sustainable development really got me hooked and it inspired me, it made me understand that there is a way for us to improve the world that we live in. And that was where the birth of the idea of global impact came into place. So the biggest problem that we're trying to solve is the ability to capture real-time data. Um, a lot of the data that we have on sustainable development, whether it be on You know, so for the SDGs, there's 17 global goals. One is no poverty, two is no hunger, three is health and well-being, four is quality education, five is gender equality, six is clean water and sanitation, seven is renewable energy, then you get to 12 responsible consumption and production, 13 climate change, 14 life below water, 15 life on land. So there's these vast majority of goals. And what what global impact is trying to do because a lot of the governments and businesses are using data from the past, they're using data from 2016, doesn't show us really where we are right now. And on an individual level more so, people feel sort of hopeless and helpless in the ability to change the world. And so what we what we do is a way, it's, it's a platform, it's like Facebook, uh, it's a social network, but what we do is we capture, so any action that you take, whether you're posting 
your reusable bottle, you are able to measure your unique contribution in changing the world. You're able to measure your impact in achieving sustainable development. And you're able to see how different governments are performing towards achieving the global goals, how different businesses are, the roles that schools have to play. And as an individual, so if I reuse a bottle, I can see how much plastic I'm saving that I would have got if I had bought a plastic bottle, how much CO2 emissions I'm saving that would have gone into the production of plastic. And so uh, there's a variety of different challenges, but all of our challenges are linked towards the global goals. And so it's really a platform that empowers people to not only know how to uh, make a positive impact, but to measure and showcase that impact and to become a leader within sustainability globally. Does the platform suggest ideas or, or, or provides samples of actions? Like, let's say, if you carpool with someone, this is what you're, you know, this is how you're contributing to the environment. Or if you go for a beach cleanup activity, or are there examples that are provided to encourage people to do more? Yes. So the difference between if you look at it as a social network and you compare it maybe to Instagram, uh, the difference between Global Impact Network is that the, your posts are based on challenges that you select. So you select a challenge that you want to participate in, whether it's a beach cleanup or whether it's tutoring or whether it's uh, reusing or recycling or whatever it might be. Um, and then your post is associated to that challenge. So we use technology to verify and we've built algorithms to quantify and measure your impact. Um, so yeah, the most, the, the biggest difference is that we issue a global impact score. So each time you take action and you post on that action, not only do you get statistics, impact statistics, like you've saved this amount of, this amount of CO2 emissions or this amount of um, plastic or this amount of, you know, wood paper, or you've like, increased... Do you, earn, do you, you, earn, you earn points as well? Exactly. So each challenge, the harder the challenge, uh, like tutoring somebody, for example, and, you know, increasing access to education um, or proficiency levels in a country, the harder the challenge, the higher your global impact score. Um, and so we have a leaderboard and you can see who are the top performing citizens that are creating a positive impact in the world. And uh, this leaderboard will expand to not only be for citizens, but to compare companies. So companies will be able to have a global impact score as well. So will schools, so will governments. And, and then we can that way really see who, who are our leaders in, in creating a positive impact globally. It sounds great because um, so many of us have that as part of our personal goals life goes. So I think having the opportunity to be able to look at companies in the future and know, you know, what their score is and being able to select a company whose goals align with your own. It's exactly. just such a neat concept that, you know, you'd be like, oh, this company scored so high in global impact. You know, they're doing great things for the environment yeah. and, and they're contributing to the goals that you just mentioned that, you know, we would Well, this is the thing. Yeah. With companies, I mean, there's a lot of greenwashing going on. So, you know, there, there is this now 
societal shift where people are becoming a lot more conscious towards sustainability and sustainability really is a it's a triple bottom line it's it's profit people and planet it's not you know to have a sustainable business model it's sustainability as a concept is definitely i mean you see Greta Thunberg with her Friday for Future movement. You see, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests that recently happened. People are becoming more aware of this shift that is happening. And I think that when it comes to companies, what I love about what Global Impact offers is that you can go and let's say, you know, in the future Zara is on there. You can see where Zara is ranked in the fashion industry and it kind of shifts your ability to make a decision because a part of the problem is that people don't know which companies are actually good for people and the planet and so being able to go onto you know Zara's profile page and seeing exactly transparently what they're doing to be a sustainable company kind of shifts your ability to make better decisions like why would I support shopping at this, this, whichever, sure. you know, shop it is mm-hmm. versus Patagonia, where I know exactly the programs that they've put in place. I can see the community, the members that are a part of their, their um, company that are um, actually witnessing and, and showcasing uh, their efforts towards sustainability. Sure. And, and, and the concept is incredibly relevant. What is the hardest part about getting companies on board? I think the hardest part is that a lot of companies are still set back in time. Uh, they're still living in the past. And so this mentality of only being profit driven um, is, is probably one of the biggest difficulties. But again, as I mentioned, we are witnessing this shift where it's now no longer just an obligation to stakeholders or to shareholders, sorry. It's it's an obligation to all stakeholders. And so I really do believe that in the future, um, the most successful companies are going to be the ones that implement a triple bottom line, uh, taking people and planet into consideration alongside profit. And so I think it's these companies that are that are stuck in the past that are only profit driven. Um, they're kind of the ones that's difficult to cross the line. But I think COVID has presented this opportunity where we have shifted to a, a more digital age. And it's also exposed a lot of structural flaws in our societies. And so it's 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 become more of an opportunity for for companies to apply a triple bottom line. No, I honestly really like the concept and it sounds like you're about to have such an exciting journey ahead and so many great things to come. And up until this point, what would you say that is your proudest accomplishment? Wow, that's that's a tough question. That's a big one. I mean, I, I could say, you know, the, the fact that I'm the youngest author in history in Zimbabwe uh, or that I've spoken at the United Nations at a young age or at, which was a huge dream of mine since I was a little girl. How, or, how old you know, were you I, when you spoke at, you, uh, at the United Nations? I was 
19 or 20. Wow. I think I just turned 20 years old. Yeah. And so, you know, standing in front of a massive audience is, is quite uh, intimidating, but that was, that was a huge dream of mine. Um, I could also say Stanford university, that was a massive dream of mine, but I, I would say my biggest accomplishment definitely has been global impact because I really believe in its power to change the world. And I think that for me, my biggest accomplishment personally is being able to empower people to know just how powerful they are and the difference that they can make. And so to date, that has definitely been my my greatest accomplishment. Is, I love is creating it. This company. I love it. Well, if all goes according to your dreams, where will you end up? Honestly, uh, only God knows that. I... I, I, I'm definitely very um, goal oriented, uh, especially in the long to medium term. And uh, I follow a rule of objectives and key results. But in the long term, you know, talking about being able to pivot and adapt, I don't really have a set mind frame of where I see myself. I'm, I'm more prepared for whatever that comes. Uh, all I know is that I want to be happy. I want to be doing something that I love. I want to wake up every morning enthusiastic and motivated to do something meaningful in my life and, and to have a loving family, to be healthy. Um, I guess that's, that's, that's my dream for the future. So wherever, wherever it decides to go, I will be content as long as I know that I'm leading and living a purpose-driven life. Tatiana, you're certainly wise beyond your years. I truly, truly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Um, good luck with everything. Thank you once again for participating. And I truly, truly wish you the best. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it's been wonderful. And I love what you're doing. I think being able to inspire people from all over the globe is such a wonderful mission. So it's, it's really I'm very humbled. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, if anyone wishes to continue this conversation, can they find you on LinkedIn? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I urge you to please go and check out globalimpact.world and join the movement. Check it out. Measure your impact. <laughs> but yep. yeah, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Thank you. And if any of our listeners have questions about anything else they heard on the podcast today, feel free to email me at carla at swisslearning.com. Thank you. And until next time. Mm -hmm.